You are listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. I'm good, man. You know, it's that time of year. Yeah. Is this going to work for you? Is this... Uh... Yeah, sure. Okay. How's that? You got a little thing propping up the table underneath there. Cool. Congrats, dude. Thank you, man. Thank Doing you very well. much. Doing well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was a good night, wasn't it? Yeah. Whenever that was, Saturday. Yeah, now they start to fade together. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we are here with uh, Martin McDonough, writer and director of Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, thank you for coming on. I, 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 the, the title screen flashed in my head, the lowercase outside. You know what? Like, <laughs> throws me off. About six people have mentioned that, and uh, now it throws me off too, but I don't know, I don't know how that happened. Some people are saying, is there something to read into that? No, it's just like, really. Just bad text. <laughs> yeah. Well, four Golden Globes uh, Sunday night, including Best Picture, uh, Best Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor for Sam Rockwell. We had him on the show earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, and just earlier this morning, the BAFTA nominations, you guys did fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah, we got nine of them. That was uh, a big surprise. Uh, and, and the Golden Globe wins were, were a big surprise, too. You know, you kind of... Kind of, you kind of study some of the websites and you see what, what people are saying. And uh, and uh, I was very hopeful, especially that Francis um, yeah. you know, would, would be in with a shot. But pretty much all the others came as a, a, a wonderful surprise, you know. Um, Do you get wrapped up in that online world a lot? Do you love uh, No, but I, I'm... I'm people uh, forward I'm things so to you. So egotistical, I kind of <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> glance in every now and then. Um and yeah, just to see, just to see how how the land is lying, just to see whether or not it's time to get nervous, you know. Right, sure. Kind of, and I was a little bit nervous about um, screenplay because it was it was it was we had a shot at that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was particularly thrilled that uh, Sam uh, was recognised because yeah. I think he's amazing in the film. But no way in, in the world did I think we were going to get best film. Yeah. You know? What was the night for you like? I mean, did you party into the evening? By the way, we're recording from the Chateau Marmont in your bungalow where I assume you've been all week. Very nice. Yeah, only for like <laughs> three or four days because I came in from uh, – actually, just, just three nights. We came in from New York in the cold weather mm. uh, on Friday, I think it was. Um, yeah, no, uh, we did, we party, we, well, it was a very kind of nerve wracking, uh, evening anyway, cause I get nervous at those kind of things all the time, especially yeah. if there's a chance that you might have to have go to up speak. on stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then after we won, you know, a couple, uh, it, it meant we should really start getting nervous about the last award of the evening. Uh, mm-hmm. and so there was no time to relax <laughs> or get drunk. Um, uh, unfortunately, so so we were trying to catch up afterwards and never quite never quite got drunk enough. Yeah, well, an interesting note uh, this year, amid all of the times up uh, things on the red carpet and everything, was all of the winners in, in film and TV were female centric stories this year. It's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, which is fantastic, and I think uh, I mean it's one of the few things I do have control over in 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 all of this debate is you know trying to to change that, trying to make more stories that are female-led yeah. and to write stronger women's parts. You know, that's the only thing I've really got direct um, uh, 
control over and something I can really help with. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I'm doing a little little bit this year because um, Francis's performance in this is so incredible. Um, yeah. And it's good to be putting a film with such a strong woman out there this year, especially. Yeah, for sure. What do you think of the sort of activist environment that popped up around specifically the Golden Globes this year and seeing all of the black on the red carpet and just, uh, you know, the activists who were attending as guests and whatnot? I mean, it was obviously far much in the air than it ever has been. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. You know, I think it's great that it's not just uh, a glitzy show, that there's something a bit more uh, thoughtful about it. And I think a lot of the films this year have have uh, had that too you know there's there's a lot more uh you know there's it's a diverse uh, selection of, of great movies this year mm. and uh there's some great issues being uh, discussed uh in all of the films um not just uh you know female-led films like ladybird which is a great one but get out you know and the race racial issues in that um it's uh it's a great time for all that debate to be happening. And I, I'm not, you know, a big fan of award shows anyway, so it's good to have a little bit of intelligent subject matter. Substance to the yeah, evening, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, regarding Get Out There, I mean, that film and your film, uh, two hugely popular, broadly speaking, movies. Uh, you know, you guys won the Toronto People's Choice Award. Uh, Get Out, you know, did phenomenally well at the box office. It's it's almost like there's a moment for black comedy this year. People yeah. are really responding to that. Well, why do you think that that, which is something you obviously trade in throughout your career, why is that having such a moment right now, you think? Um, I don't know. Maybe something in, in the politi- political landscape in America that means we've got to, you know, we can't just have frothy, um, uh, mind-numbing uh, comedies. There, mm-hmm. there's, 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 I, th- I think because there's darker things going on, Politically, um, maybe people are more in tune, more angry about stuff, and, and more in tune to uh, to satire and and questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great thing because I've always been that way. You know, I've always been kind of questioning politically, um, but it feels like, especially in the states, everyone's doing that now. Yeah, and that's a that's a great thing. You know, that people are getting so involved. That's what democracy is supposed to be about. Is activity and 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 debate and argument um and even anger Mm -hmm. yeah where does that uh come from for you in terms of your attraction to dark humor what what why is uh, that such a part of your work um i don't know i mean i'm kind of a punk rock kid so uh like musically uh, my stuff was the stuff i liked was always kind of left field and not easy listening say Mm -hmm. um and i guess most of the movies i i liked growing up with stuff like uh, I don't know Billy Wilder stuff uh, and uh, like even like the early De Niro Scorsese stuff, like I, I find them quite funny, even though mm-hmm. the, the the subject matter is quite uh, bleak in places. Like I think Mean Streets is hilarious. I even, even think Taxi Driver is hilarious in parts mm-hmm. too, but maybe that's an issue I've got. Um, so so it's something I've always been drawn to as a storyteller. Um, to not, I, I don't think I could ever quite do a rom com. Um, or if you did, it would certainly be a, a unique one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think everyone would survive at the end of it. And, and you kind of need that in a rom-com. <laughs> it helps. A rom-com where everyone dies is never going to sell. <laughs> well, I don't know. Give it a shot. Hey, actually. <laughs> <laughs> What's the germ of this uh, idea for Three Billboards for you? Where did it start? Um, well, I actually saw Three Billboards very similar. No, two billboards similar with a message similar to what we see on our Three Billboards mm-hmm. uh, about 20 years on a on a bus, I was going through one of the southern states of America, 
And uh, it was an angry message, as ours is, and, uh, and a painful one uh, about a real crime. And it, again, it was calling out the police for their inactivity um, or ineptitude. And I thought, and it stuck in my mind, I didn't do anything about it for, uh, for years and years, but it stuck in my mind and I, uh, I kind of wondered who, who would have put something like that up there. And just in story terms, I once I decided that was a, a mother and a really strong uh, mother at that. Um, the, the 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 whole plot kind of sprang fully formed, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis' character full sp- sprang out, sprang off the page, and all of the situations kind of just uh, just just jumped out from that very first image. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where the story came from. What about the setting? Um, you, you said you saw this in the South. You went with Missouri for your setting. Uh, presumably, you were writing this before Ferguson and stuff started breaking. Yeah, it was actually written eight years ago. Um, So it was before all the stuff from the last couple of years. Um, I just knew it it needed to be uh, one of the old southern states um, Mm -hmm. for some of the the racial angles I was uh, looking to explore. And um, but then, like just just simple things like scenery and 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 landscape, um, I knew it couldn't be you know set in the mountains or, or or on the west coast or, or or a place that was too urban. So mm-hmm. so uh, Missouri seemed like the right fit. Yeah, and you filmed uh, in my neck of the woods outside in, of Asheville. Oh yeah, yeah, I love yeah. love Asheville. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite towns. Uh, I went back after filming just on my own just for three days to hang out because yeah. I liked it so much. Yeah, Where, whereabouts are you from? Uh, just the Charlotte corridor up up and down eighty five there, Salisbury, Winston Salem. Yeah, uh, the uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. It is, and there's a lot of different looks you can get from the state. I mean, all over the state, there's ocean, there's mountains, there's people yeah, on areas. Yeah, so. yeah. So we went for for because we wanted to kind of have an Ozark kind of feel yeah. to it, and um, so we were pretty near the the Blue Blue Ridge Mountains down there, and um, it's just just beautiful scenery. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. On the racial thing, while the movie is wildly popular, there is definitely a contingent. And I don't know if anyone's ever actually asked you about this, so I thought I would finally put a question to it. Sure. It's criticized the film. People feel that it's tone deaf toward racism or that it's uh, absolving of racism in Sam's character. Uh, things like this. Yeah. And, you know, I've, read, I've certainly read a lot of think pieces and tweets about it. I don't even want, know if anyone's ever actually asked you, though, about this. But what is your reaction to those takes? Well, I think some of it comes from the idea that there's a, uh, that Sam's character is redeemed at the end of the film. Um, you don't believe he is? I don't think he is, no. I think at the end he, he, he he's still the asshole that he was at the start of the film. Um, but I think there is... Uh, Hopefully, by the, the end of it, he's, he's he's seen that he has to change almost, you know. Mm. But but the film isn't about simple heroes and villains, and he he in no way I think does he ever come become a hero in it. But the whole the whole part of one of the ideas of the story is like who are the villains and who are the heroes, and and is anyone you know is anyone really that heroic? Um, mm-hmm. But um, but uh, certainly you know uh, I did want to explore the idea of of uh, Francis and a strong woman, you know, uh, going against the police in the South. And I thought, uh, I do believe that, you know, the racial angle is definitely one of the rep- weapons you would throw at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but the idea, the idea that human beings, that there's hope in, in a story like this, even with characters as, as despicable as, as, as Sam's is, um, I thought that was an interesting thing to explore. Yeah. 
in any early drafts, did you ever uh, have any thought toward using race, like instead of just using race as a backdrop or as a tool for Hermes, was there any exploration of a black character in more in depth or any depicting any of these kinds of events as opposed to just kind of using them as a backdrop? Um, there, there was, I mean, we, we filmed a few scenes with, with, and um, certainly with uh, Francis's uh, friend in the gift shop had, had a couple of extra scenes that didn't, didn't make it into the finished film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but, uh, but the story is pretty much, you know, based and focused on, on Francis's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's her story and, you know, I'm sure the next film will be different, um, just as this was like way different to the sort of male-centric films I did in the first two. Right. Um, but because it's Francis's story, um, I guess it's her that I was concentrating on, and, and no one else really comes as through as strongly as she does. Yeah. Did you write with her in mind? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, completely written for uh, for Francis, and I'm not sure who I'd have gone to if she'd have said no, because uh, uh, she was just perfect for it. You know, she's she's probably the best actress of her generation, I think. But if she's also got that kind of off-screen kind of edginess too, you know, mm-hmm. she doesn't really play the Hollywood game. Totally. And uh, and that's kind of what was great to tap into too. Like even seeing her like breeze past the red carpets and not do <laughs> interviews and, and not do the award circuit, it's kind of, it's almost Mildred-like, you know. <laughs> she just doesn't give a, a damn about what you're supposed to do. And, right. Uh, I think that's... That's what's brilliant about her. Much to mine and my colleagues' chagrin. <laughs> yeah, keep trying. Would love to have you on the show, Francis. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> Never going to happen. Backing up. Well, maybe you put a good word, a good word for me. Or <laughs> backing up a bit. I uh, just wanted to talk about your aesthetic influences as a filmmaker. You know, I just was looking back at some of the other stuff, and I even went back to look at Six Shooter, your short film that won the Oscar. Uh, what, what is just your visual influences? I mean, some of this stuff I personally just uh, – analytically looking at some things I, I get an interesting still life vibe out of you know how you frame shots how you how you position things in your frame but i'm just kind of curious what your influences are in that regard what kind of references you might have as a filmmaker um well there's like just just a, a myriad number of, of them and it kind of changes for each film i mean i think like my favorite movies are always going to be in the back of my head and they're things like Badlands or Night of the Hunter or Taxi Driver, as he touched on, or A Matter of Life and Death, all pretty visual, visual uh, pieces, Seven Samurai. Um, but um, but it, with each storytelling, you can't really grab or crib from, from, from your favorites. You know, mm-hmm. it's the story almost that, that tells you the, the tone and the style of, of the images you're going to get. In Bruges, for instance, the town, I just wanted the town to be a character and mm-hmm. to be as beautiful uh, and iconic as possible. And then so I thought about what films do I like where a town is a character and Don't Look Back was uh, uh, is probably the best. You know, Venice, yeah. Venice is, you know, a palpable, uh, frightening creature in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this one, uh, we sort of watched Paris, Texas again because mm-hmm. we, we kind of were thinking about the color palette and how America is depicted in that. Um, uh, but actually like most, uh, American movies of the seventies is, 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 is what we were thinking about, mm. uh, when, when, uh, trying to find an aesthetic for this. Uh, I think it's my favorite era of movie making and Ben Davis, the DP, I think it's his too. So we wanted to give it that kind of downbeat, uh, feel not too, too color saturated, um, 
um, but to have have a sense of, of movement of camera, um, and there's a lot of that. Um, and but also it's it's a story about uh, characters, very specific people, mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to get up close to them uh, and basically be very close to to Francis's character, to be close to Mildred, to see what was going on in her eyes um, and the eyes of all the characters, really, um, because it's almost as much about what they're not saying and what mm-hmm. they're hiding uh, is 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 uh, how we get a grip on how they're really feeling. Yeah, you know. Can you expand on the color palette of it all? Like, what did the col- what did colors mean for you in the film? Um, well, I don't have any. I don't use them as sort of metaphorical uh, yeah. or uh, that kind of idea. Although the red and the black of the of the billboards themselves were were quite. It took a while for us to to decide on what that should be. But uh, I was happy to to cho- choose those colors because uh, one, it just just looks cool. Red on screen always looks cool. Yeah. But also, it's kind of dangerous. Um, it looks angry. Yeah, it looks yeah. angry. And uh, but also the color, colors of the anarchist flag. And there's something a little bit anarchist about uh, yeah. Mildred's character too. So and Francis. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so so that's part of it. But anyhow, they also look. I mean. The, that part of the world was so green when we filmed it, and mm. and that I thought when I wrote the script, it was much more had much more of a dusty kind of a dusty road and a dusty uh, American feeling. But when we were there, as the green just just popped and made it uh, almost more a story about life going on when it wasn't really going on for Mildred, and that was a kind of nice counterpoint. Right? Did you go? Uh, did you investigate? the area much at all like in terms of trying to find characters or uh get inside the head of someone in the midwest or in the south um well i've sort of spent the last 20 years sort of doing that like going to small towns and i love getting trains around and buses around and uh and so i I was in missouri a bunch of times but also you know everywhere from colorado down to texas i like spending time there and uh Actually, when we were kind of looking for locations, we even we went uh, far as wide, far and wide as Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia and even all the way to New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I like small town America and I like listening to people um, and just just hearing what's going on. Um, so that's that's always there, I guess. But that's more of, as a writer almost than, than as an image maker. When you what was the shooting schedule? When did you start filming? Um, it was uh, the year before last now, so that's 2016. We shot for like 32 days, I think, over about seven, seven and a half weeks. Um, and what time of year was it? It was, I think, let me see, May or end of April okay. going into June. So certainly the thick of the uh, election. Yes, it was just just in the middle of that. It was before, obviously, before he got got in. But it was right, yeah. right when all of that was 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 going and going pretty heavy, you know. So you know, talking about the power of a female driven narrative, and talking about your experience hearing, you know, listening to people in small towns, and and, and obviously how that played itself out in the election. I'm just curious how the election affected how you were making the movie. Honestly, it didn't. It didn't affect it at all. You know, the the, the story was set um, uh, in, in a in a fictional town in Missouri, mm-hmm. but we don't really specify what time, well, what year it's it is. It's it's recent, but it's not 
it doesn't use the election as a backdrop. And that's partly because, you know, you hope when you make a film, you hope that it's going to be timeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you don't really want to comment too uh, directly on what's going on in politics, for instance. But, uh, like, having it come out now at this time, uh, at a time of such tumult, I guess, um, feels feels really, uh, well, timely, I guess, yeah. uh, because there's a lot of anger, not just in, in this country, but sort of worldwide. Um, and, and Mildred, um, you know, Francis's character, is a very angry person, I think. Um, and, and it's interesting to explore that uh, mm-hmm. at these times, to set a character as angry as that, yeah. uh, raging against the world, because a lot of us are feeling that way, I think. Yeah. Uh, also going back, and you know, I thought it was interesting, you've uh, written a radio drama. Uh, what kind of muscles do you stretch as a, as a writer writing radio, I guess? Radio, I've, I've, uh, I only did that once, and that was a very long time ago. <laughs> uh, so, but radio, you obviously, you kind of get rid of uh, images. Yeah. But you, you, uh, you only use sound images. Um, but, yeah, but it's mostly dialogue-based. So, so if, you can, if you're any good at that, then, then you're, you're halfway there. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't particularly good at radio plays. And, and that's why I kind of, <laughs> it's 20 years since I've written one. But I, I write uh, stage plays quite a lot. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's a different kettle of fish. And it is a different muscle um, because you don't, you know, you don't cut cut from scene to scene, you know, in a page like you do in, in a movie. And you mm-hmm. don't, you don't speak in, speak in images. It's, it's, again, it's about character. It's about dialogue and it's about plot. Um, but it's like right now I kind of, I'm happy to go back and forth between the two. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's a different muscle group, but it's, it's good to to work on both out. Which is interesting to me because I, I was looking back at some things you said in the past that you have a hard time appreciating theater and, and appreciating writing drama. And I'm curious, what keeps bringing you back and what are you hoping to get out of the experience of writing for theater? Well, I used to feel that way a lot more than I do now. It's changed, um, okay. It, or or, or I've, I've grown up and gotten soft. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think there is room for, for good cool plays when I started out everything I was watching seemed really very English and boring and uh, and nothing really happened on stage so I, when I wrote my plays uh, I tried to shake that up a little bit uh, and have you know some kind of action happening and ha- have them be kind of cinematic to be honest mm-hmm. um, and so now I'm sort of in a place where I feel I can do that uh, well uh, and you might as well keep keep plowing on uh, through that field if you, if you can do something well. Yeah. But there's something, you know, even if you get a play right and it goes well and is successful, it's, it's, it's lost, you know, in it, within a year. You know, you, you, I can't show you a good play that I did 10 years ago because right. they're not filmed. And unless you were there, it's gone forever. And there's a, there's, there's, that's one of the things that's interesting about it, uh, but it's one of the things that's kind of sad about it. You know, yeah. whereas in Bruges, you know, we did that 10 years ago. But I can show you it now, and it's the same as it was then, and 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 it'll be that way forever. It's intact mm. forever, and there's something that I like a lot about that too. I'm trying to remember who told me that. I think it was Michael Shannon, not to name drop, but he was saying something along the lines of that. Like with theater, it's like you're drawing in the sand. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he he kind of as an actor, 
really got off on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is interesting. There's no permanence to it, per se, yeah, beyond well, what's on the page. Yeah. It's Funny enough, I saw Michael Shannon just before I started writing uh, stage plays, and it was two plays I saw of his and Tracy Letts, uh, Killer Joe and Bug, mm, back in, yeah. like, 94, I think, in London. They kind of inspired me to write uh, my first plays. Really? Uh, and, like, even to this day, uh, I don't think I've seen anyone on stage who was who did what Michael Shannon did. It was literally watching... I remember thinking at the time, and I was only like 23, uh, I was, it felt like watching Brando on stage. Yeah, he's it was amazing. mesmerizing. Yeah. And he's only still mesmerizing to this day on movies. But like seeing him, and he must have been only been like 21 or 22, it was like shockingly good. You guys haven't worked together, right? No, he did The Pillar Man in, uh, oh, yeah, in yeah, Chicago yeah. Uh, one time. And we've, we try, I really want to w- work with Michael. Um, it's never quite worked out. We've come, kind of come close a couple of times. But um, but I love him, and I'd I'd, I'd love to if he's listening. Uh, <laughs> I want to I want to work with you, Michael. Yeah, he's you guys will be great together. Um, and talking about actors, it seems to me a stable of actors is important to you. I mean, a number of people work in your films: Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, Abby Cornish, Chris Walken. You know, they keep popping up. Yeah, yeah, and What's, even like, uh, Amanda Warren and Sandy Martin. I worked yeah. with those guys before. I like to build up a little repertory company. Anyway. Why is that? Um, it, I guess it's a theatrical thing, uh, but it's not, it's not like uh, Sam Peckinpah used to do it too and Preston Sturges and people like that. Um, I think it's, it's one, you're, you're going to work with friends on each new project. Two, if they're good actors, they can trust you that you're going to allow them to flex different acting muscles, you know. Mm-hmm. For instance, Woody, Woody's character in this is so different to his character in Seven Psychos. Um, mm-hmm. They're like literally two sides of... of two different coins um, yeah. and Sam Rockwell is the same. Um, and like going on, like Francis is now part of that company. So I'm sure if we did another thing together, which I hope we will, that character would be, you know, completely different to, to Mildred. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's sort of about them trusting you and tr- you trusting them, you know, from day one, there isn't that kind of a week or two of feeling each other out and discovering that person. It's, it's sort of about trust and, and fun as much as, as it is about art. Yeah. I think we all figured Sam would do well this year, but it's great to see Woody getting noticed so much. I mean, especially because he's not here. Yeah. This guy is so busy. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. constantly working. He was working like back to back for like the last two years, mostly in England. Really, yeah, exactly. Really weirdly. Um, he did like five or six film, films in a row. So no, I think he's directed happy. a live movie. Yes, yes, which I still haven't seen, and I'm I'm, I'm dying to. Um, so I'll, I'll hope to catch that soon. But yeah, no, he just uh, got nominated for the BAFTA last night, and yeah. uh, that was brilliant because his work is, you know, amazing in the film. It hasn't really been spoken about uh, as much, I guess, because you know Sam's is is slightly the, the showier part, and yeah. Uh, He's in it a little bit more, um, but um, but it's great. Woody's one of the best actors around too, so uh, I'm glad that he's finally getting recognized. I met Woody on the set of Psychos. Oh, really? I don't know if you remember that. I was I was there to interview him for Rampart, and uh, ah. it was the Ascot scene. <laughs> you guys were shooting the Ascot scene oh, with Chris Walken wow. at yeah, that Pasadena. Yeah. Oh, in the hospital. The yeah. hospital thing, yeah, yeah that abandoned weird hospital. I love that scene. <laughs> and like Christopher Walken, I'm dying to work with again. Yeah. I'd like to get him and Sam together especially, but... Um, yeah, no, it's 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 great to, to God, have him a and Sam team. together would be great. Doesn't Sam have like a Chris Walken impression? In oh him? boy, does he! Yeah, <laughs> boy, does he! Um, but 
uh, <laughs> yeah, like Sam and Christopher is like a father son team. I was yeah. thinking that could that could go places. <laughs> and you're working on a play now in New York, right? Yeah, Hangmen is going to be on at the Atlantic in uh, in about actually in a week and a half, two weeks time in mid uh, mid. Uh, January. What's the subject matter there? Uh, it's sort of about the the last executioner uh, in England, the last person who used to put people to death when they were condemned mm-hmm. uh, uh, for murder or, or whatever else. Um, sort of vaguely based on on two real hangmen um, uh, around the time that uh, hanging was abolished. Um, uh, so it's it's another rom com. Yeah, I was going to say, finally a rom-com. <laughs> but it's no, it, it's a pretty black uh, black comedy. Um, but we did it in London about a year and a half ago, and it was uh, pretty successful there. So I'm hoping, uh, and we brought a few of the cast members over from there and got some local uh, New York people too. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I'm right in the middle of, I'm just going to fly back right now to New York to get back to rehearsals. Um, but it's going to be a good one, I think. Do you have your next film idea in mind, or you just let that come as it comes? I'm going to let that come. Um, I want to get Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson back together at some point too, but uh, so I'm thinking about them. Uh, but there's like two other ideas I've got in mind, and I'd like to spend this year, after all the the awards craziness uh, calms down, just to to travel and, and to write uh, write those two films. But I've got another new play coming on in at the end of the year in London. So that'll be the, the, the end of year project. Well, you're staying busy. Trying. That's good. It's good, especially this time of year. Otherwise, you get focused on the awards too much. Exactly. Go nuts. Yeah, exactly. Well, the movie's called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. You should absolutely check it out. One of the best movies of the year. And Martin McDonough, thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank really you, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. What's along what you can and cannot say on a billboard? I assume you can't say nothing defamatory and you can't say fuck, piss, or cunt. that right? Or anus? I think I'll be all right then. I guess you're Angela Hayes' mother. That's right. I'm Angela Hayes' mother. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? Dixon, I'm in the middle of my goddamn Easter dinner. Sorry, kids. I know, Chief, but I think we got kind of a problem. Sunshine beating on the good. I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. Time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. We've had two official complaints about those billboards. From who? The lady with a funny eye. A lady with a funny fucking eye? And a fat dentist. It's a lot of good friends of Willoughby in this town this age. Ow! You didn't happen to drill a little hole in the dentist today, did you? Of course not. Huh? I said, of course not. I'm sorry about Angie, but the town is dead set against these billboards. You know who threw that can? What can? How about you, sweetheart? Uh, no, I, I didn't really... Go, girl. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead! Before you keep a case in the public eye, the better your chances are getting it solved. And when I see the sun. You know, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of people's feelings. All this anger, man. It just begets greater anger. In three, two, one. As sad as the spectacle of these billboards might be, 
this reporter, for one, hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga of the three billboards outside. This doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning Missouri fucking wake up broadcast, bitch? You are-